This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the First Cut Podcast. My name is Kyle Porter, and I am incredibly unqualified to introduce our guest today. We, uh, we've got a bunch of master's content for you for the weekend. We've been doing master stuff all week. It's been a lot of fun. We've had Ian Poulter on. We have talked about our favorite master's memories. We have simulated the master's. We've done everything you can do except actually have a master's, which is uh, obviously a bummer. But we do have uh, today we have Doug Bell of CBS Sports. He talked with six-time master's winner Jack Nicholas, uh, And that was on CBS Sports HQ, but we pulled – some of the audio for uh, this podcast today. So that's a lot of fun. And then we've also got uh, Jim Nance talking to Tiger Woods, uh, as well as Jim Nance talking to Phil Mickelson. And the reason that we have that, so this weekend on CBS Sports, uh, on Saturday from 2.30 to 6, we are re-airing Phil Mickelson's 2004 Masters win. That was his first ever Masters victory. And what's cool about that is that uh, Jim Nance talked to Phil Mickelson about that win, but he did it in 2020. And so with the re-air, there will be some uh, conversations or or there will be some audio from their conversations in 2020 kind of played throughout that. So we pulled a little bit of that uh, for this podcast. And then same thing with Tiger Woods. uh, The 2019 final round will be broadcast from 1230 to 6 on Sunday. So the final entire final round uh, broadcast on CBS Sports. And again, uh, Jim Nance talked to Tiger about what it was like, kind of Tiger kind of walked him back through everything that was going on that day, uh, which is just incredible to, to kind of think about. So pulled some of that audio. You'll hear all of them uh, in this podcast. That is definitely the most green jackets we've had in a single podcast. I think that is what, 11, 14 total green jackets in this podcast. And then obviously you've got Jim Nance and Doug Bell. So That's a ton of fun. Thanks for tuning in this week. We'll be back next week uh, with more episodes, and I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. It really is a pleasure to welcome in six-time Masters champion Jack Nicholas from his home in South Florida on what would have been Masters week originally. And Jack, I guess the first question uh, how is the Nicholas family doing amidst this very strange time in our country? I know you're hunkered down in South Florida. How is everybody? Everybody seems fine. I think that, uh, uh, you know, we've been in the house here now for uh, all three and a half weeks. I think we've we've been here. Uh, I'm getting a little tired of watching Caddyshack and, you know, <laughs> Stripes and what, whatever we might be watching. Uh, the... Uh, We've picked on a bunch of television series and, you know, some of them are good, some of them aren't. I don't know one from the other. And uh, we haven't seen the kids. The kids are, you know, they're, they're, they're in their own houses. So, uh, uh, you know, it's been a kind of a, a boring three weeks, you might say, but it, uh, it is what it is. 
There's no question about that. Now, originally, when the Masters was postponed, you, you didn't think it was going to happen in 2020, and now it's going to be a November date. How do you think it's going to play out? Augusta in the fall, uh, pretty close to Thanksgiving. I just didn't think they would put it all together, but I'm delighted they have. I think they, you know, they were a lot more creative than I thought they would be. And uh, uh, playing in November, uh, they're going to have shorter days. Uh, I think the weather will be fine. Uh, the greens will be okay. Uh, you won't have the color in the uh, in the trees, obviously, no azaleas. Uh, the the fairways will be the issue, and you know they've got to not only have a tournament in November, but they're going to have one the following April. And they usually oversee the fairways, and they usually oversee them in October. They might they might do it in September, uh, which might uh, actually probably do do it in September, and. Uh, but they're never really very good in the fall. So they're going to have to figure out how to get the fairways uh, uh, a little tighter and firm up the grass to, to play it. I think they can probably do that. Uh, they're pretty good at what they do. And uh, so uh, I think you're, I think the, re the rest of the tournament's going to be fine. They're obviously going to be fighting football. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's, that's the way it is. <laughs> Let's take you back to 1986. I know you've been answering a lot of questions about that this week, and, and I watched it again, the final round. Uh, when, you, when you take a look at that final leaderboard at CBS, you were the winner, and they put that leaderboard up there, and it's, it's yourself, it's Tom Kite, it's Seve Ballesteros, it's Greg Norman, it's Tom Watson, it's Nick Price. That was the final leaderboard. The late Ken Venturi, who was calling it with Pat Summerall, said it was the greatest final round in major championship history, bar none. Do you still agree with that? Well, you know, I was quite happy with it. I don't think I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, I enjoyed it. I had had a great time. Uh, uh, you know, the first the first nine holes wasn't a whole lot, and then all of a sudden I made a nice putt at nine and ten and eleven, and you know, all of a sudden I came to life. And uh, you know, I hadn't expected to be in contention. I knew I was close, but I didn't expect to be there. And then I finally I made, finally started making a few putts, and I remembered how to play, and I remembered how to finish a golf tournament, and that's uh, that was that's basically what Tiger did last year. Tiger, uh, yeah. you know, was just there, and all of a sudden he remembered how to finish a golf tournament, and uh, when he got himself in contention, and did very well. It's the same thing I did in '86. You know, Jim Nance, that was his first Masters, 1986. He yeah. was in the tower at 16. He hopes to call 50 Masters. That would take him to 2036, and I think he's going to do it. But the banter between him and Tom Weiskopf right before you hit the tee shot at 16, classic television when Jim Nance asked Tom, what do you think is going through the mind of Jack right now? And Tom said, if I knew that, I would have had a lot more luck in beating him over the years. It was terrific television. Surely you've talked to Jim and Tom about that banter because that was, that was classic. Well, I haven't talked to him really about it. I just, I've seen it. And, and uh, yeah. you know, Weiskopf is... Uh, Tom always struggled with beating me. I don't know. I think Tom was a tremendous talent, and uh, but he seemed to not be able to get to me when he when he wanted to. And uh, uh, you know, he I, I felt bad for him for that because I think his his record would have been far better if he would have got just sort of stripped me out of the backside of his mind. And uh, mm -hmm. of course, Jim Nance, uh, Jim Nance is terrific. I think he's uh, you know he, he's the best there is and. Uh, uh, that was his first year at Augusta, so uh, that's a pretty, uh, pretty classic little banter, you might say, uh, for the, for, for the, for the two of them. 
You know, it was interesting, too, if you watch the interview in Butler Cabin with Hort Harden and then Brent Musburger with CBS, and you were going over the round, and then when you referred to Jackie on the bag, you got a little choked up. And I know that was very special, but when GT, your grandson, Gary's son, got the hole-in-one two years ago when he was catting for you on a Wednesday in the par three, is that the best moment ever for you at the Masters? Well, you know, I have obviously had some good moments when I won. and uh, Winning six Masters, I don't want to put those down, but... You know, when you're doing something, you you know you sort of expect to do things, and uh, you're in you're in control of it. But when your kids or your grandkids do something that you're not in control of, uh, and uh, that uh, you know they're just they're just coming along and just growing, and uh, it, it's pretty special. Of course, what GT did there was, you know, we had talked about it earlier in the week, and I told him he may as well. He, he said none of his siblings had ever hit the green before, and. Uh, or his cousins had ever hit the green before. And he said, uh, I said, well, if you're going to hit the green, you may as well make a hole in one. And then he told his dad, he thought that uh, Peepaw, that's me. He says, Peepaw thinks I'm going to make a hole in one out there on Wednesday. And I said, and his dad told him, he said, well, don't want to get your hopes up, but I think that would be great. And, and, you know, and then he does it. And he played a beautiful shot, made a beautiful golf swing on it, hit a really nice shot in the middle of the green. And, and of course, Gary Player was sort of had a mic on, and he was sort of commentating it. He says, that's good, GT. That's going to be a really good shot. Starting to go towards the hole. GT, that's going to be close. GT, that may go in. You know, I mean, it was it, it was a pretty exciting moment. And then, of course, uh, uh, when that happens for your grandkids, it's uh, it's pretty special. Yeah, it really was uh, one of those moments that will go down in history as, as one of the best ever non-Masters uh, action. Hey, tell me about uh, Tiger, the fact that this break has probably been a good thing for him. He said he would have been ready to defend his championship if the Masters had been played this week. But now he said he's playing at the medalist down in Jupiter. He feels healthy, and he's ready for whenever the season resumes. Uh, that's got to be good news, don't you think, for Tiger? Well, I think, you know, you never, you never know. I mean, it's, uh, uh, I would think yes, but, uh, uh, you know, as you go through the year and you practice and you get some uh, uh, little, little glitches here and there, and you never know when you're going to be ready. I mean, you try to perform and, 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 and bring your body physically to a peak at a certain time. And I would think Augusta would be one of those times. It certainly was for me. I'm sure it is for Tiger. Uh and then you're used to doing it in, in, in June for the British Open or for the U.S. Open, then the Open in July, and uh, the PGA used to be in August, but now in May. But uh, uh, what will happen in November? Nobody really knows. Uh, Tiger's never played in November. He he, he doesn't play much then. So uh, uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, I think he's uh, Tiger's probably prepped to have a pretty good, pretty good year. I would think he would after the way he played last year. He certainly, uh, uh, he certainly uh, uh, played great at Augusta, and of course he had a, I guess another, another, another tournament or two at the end of the year that he played very well. And uh, but there are a lot of guys out there. I mean, Roy McIlroy plays fantastic at the end of the year, so you know I would think he would be a pretty tough one to beat at, at Augusta. And so anyway. Well, it'll be an interesting year. I think the uh, the ability for uh, uh, all the majors, except for the British Open, which who canceled, uh, to play is is fantastic. Uh, and you know, let's just hope we get this virus over with so we can uh, move on with life. Yeah, no question about it. We're excited about the resumption of the PGA Tour, and that means the Memorial is going to happen 
sometime hopefully in June, I would think, Jack, right? Uh, we want to get up to Dublin, Ohio and see you again. Well, Doug, I think we're probably, uh, I don't think they've announced it yet, but I think we're probably, they're looking at, at uh, probably the British Open week. Uh, the British canceled. I think they move us back in that. But of course, right now the, the Memorial Tournament is still on in its in its uh, regular date. Uh, whether whether we'll be ready in the first of June, I I seriously doubt it. Uh, whether we'll be ready in the middle of July, I don't know. But uh, we we'll <laughs> certainly hope. And lastly, uh, I love following you on Twitter, and your team does a terrific job. And yesterday, a great picture of you and Barbara, your wife with the t-shirts, changekidshealth.org. <laughs> I know that's important to you amidst these crazy times, isn't it? Well, Barbara and I, uh, back in 1960, let's see, 66, our daughter was, uh, uh, she was choking and we couldn't figure out what it was. We finally took her to the hospital and found a crayon in her windpipe and they went down and got it and dropped some of it in the lungs and got pneumonia. We didn't know where she was going to make it. And the Columbus Children's Hospital, now Nationwide Children's Hospital, we said felt like they saved her life. And we said if we were ever in a position to help others, we wanted it to be children. So the Memorial Tournament has been the, uh, that, that Nationwide Children's Hospital since day one. And then we started our foundation when the Honda Tournament moved to this area. And uh, uh, we've been able, we've been fortunate to be in a position to raise some money for some kids. And we've helped a lot of kids. And we are so so proud of it and so happy of it. And, and, you know, it's very rewarding for us to be able to do that, but also to see these kids and see, see what happens. You know, I've said many times, my, my, my standard line on that is uh, after you see what's going on, it's a lot more important than any four foot putt I ever made. So uh, for us to continue to work with that and to, and, and to have it uh, uh, working with the children's miracle network uh, hospitals and uh, our own hospitals and our, we have one, um, you know, a flagship hospital in, in Miami called Nicholas Children's. And then we have uh, 17 outpatient clinics up and down the, the coast of Florida. So uh, we're pretty heavily involved and uh, we love it. And uh, it's, uh, it's changed my life. It's uh, given me a whole new uh, uh, reason to want to go out there every day and go to work and go to do things that, uh, uh, to see what happens with these kids. It's great. Well, Jack, thank you for your time. Uh, we'll see you soon in Dublin at the Memorial and also at Augusta in November. It's going to come up quick. Thanks, Jack. Okay, Doug. Good to talk to you. The return to glory. A year later, here we are at Augusta National. They're witnessing the father win a golf tournament um, in person because they've never really witnessed me win a golf tournament in person. And on, on top of that, it happens to be the Masters, a major, hadn't won a major in, in God knows when. And so, not in their lifetime, so now for them to see it, feel it, experience it, understand it. Now, if I would have won early on, or earlier on in, in their lives, they probably would never have understood it and probably never ever remember it. But now, because they're of age, um, they'll remember it for the rest of their lives. And I'm so thankful that I was able to pull it off so that this isn't, this is imprinted in the rest of their lives. But, you know what? Your dad was a pretty good player at one point. You know, Tiger, uh, not a dry eye to be found anywhere. Um, I think now, not only the first time alive, but the second time seeing it as well, and the intensity that you spoke of, of the hugs. 
to see it go from 97, a father to a son, who becomes the father to his son and his daughter and his family. Uh, it's, uh, it's as great a visual as uh, the sports world will ever see. Masters.com and at the Masters on social media are featuring archival, never before seen content from the 2004 Masters Tournament. Follow along and share your experience with hashtag Masters Rewind. And joining us now from his home in California is Phil Mickelson. Phil, thank you for uh, being with us on this special Masters Rewind in a year that uh, I know you just treasured 2004 at Augusta. I can't believe it's been 16 years since this took place. It's one of uh, my clearest memories and, and favorite moments in the game. So just a quick update on you and the family. How are things going your way? Uh, everybody's doing well and staying safe. How about yourself? Yeah, same thing. Just uh, staying at home, doing what we're supposed to do, doing the right thing. And, you know, like everyone else, uh, hearts go out to everyone out there at this difficult time. And can't wait to see our world uh, get back on its axis and return to normal. I think just showing the masters is going to be, for many people, uh, somewhat therapeutic, uh, Phil. Um, uh, it's it's uh, certainly become a springtime tradition and something that people look forward to. And it's difficult for those uh, golf enthusiasts out there to not see the tournament played this week. And hopefully uh, we'll be back in November for the playing of the Masters. But I just want to look back at your year, uh, your first of currently three green jackets. But this one was one of the sure epic final rounds of all time. And you could probably sense it going in that something good could happen here for you that year. I had a really good feeling heading into this tournament. I, it was the first time that I had prepared a specific way. And I started working with Dave Pels in the off season in 2003. And we started doing certain drills. I worked to get my short game really sharp in the off season. And then we worked on iron play and distance control. And it was a, a very big factor. I had not had a great year in 2003. And I came into 04 really determined to turn things around. I was hitting the stock cut off the, off the tee and getting the ball in play and hitting my iron shots with much better distance control. And so uh, I was really optimistic. I had won the uh, Palm Springs tournament, the American Express. I had won earlier that year and uh, was playing well going in and, and, and felt very confident. And I loved my pairing with Chris DeMarco because we had been partners in the President's Cup. And I think when you have a, a partnership and a friend like that that you're playing with, you just feel more relaxed and the pressure of the situation doesn't get to you as much. So that Sunday, before you teed off, what were you thinking? You had Ernie Els in the mix. You had a number of, as always, great players that were ready to make a run at the green jacket. I knew that that we were going to have a good opportunity to win because the, the at the time, the winner of the Masters had come from the final group uh, almost exclusively. And what happens there at Augusta National is that the wind dies down late in the day. And so when you tee off at 2.45 in the afternoon and you make the turn and you get down to the most difficult part of the golf course, Amen Corner, where you have these swirling winds, very difficult to judge, the wind actually dies down around 5 o'clock. And so you get to play it in very calm conditions. And I think the the leaders have a huge advantage on Sunday and ultimately end up uh, playing well and winning. And I think that going into that final day, I felt like uh, the winner was going to come from either the last group or the, the group ahead. We're going to see it later on in the coverage, but you had 
a joyful presence about you that week. You were smiling throughout. You're playing the 72nd hole, birdie to win, par for a playoff with Ernie, and you looked as though you didn't have a care in the world. What was going on that week with that? So I had been uh, really trying to enjoy, like have fun and enjoy the, the entire process because I play my best when I'm having fun. And in the past, when I would enter majors and I had never won one up to this point, I would go in really determined and focused and, and I would end up playing a little bit tight and a little bit controlling. And so I felt like uh, having fun, enjoying the day, enjoying the moment was going to be a key factor to, to playing well and being successful. And my pairing with Chris DeMarco was a huge part of that. And to your point, later in the day, the wind died down with everything riding on it. I mean, that was as brilliant a stretch of seven holes at the end as anyone's ever had at Augusta. You play those last seven holes and five under. But let me go back before that, because we're going to pick up the action here in a moment on the first nine. It was a bumpy start. What were you thinking there in the early stages? Well, I left one in the bunker on five and made bogey, got up and down on the next one, made bogey. And I ended up uh, making a bogey on six. I turned in two over and I felt like, okay, well, the tournament doesn't start till the back nine. And there's a lot of birdie holes in the back nine. And let's just play nine good holes of golf. So I just wanted to be in position. I knew that I wasn't playing my best in the front nine, but that I could get it turned around. Well, Phil, we're going to go through it uh, beginning, again, early stages of the first nine. And uh, we're going to be coming back Every once in a while, to check in with you and get your thoughts on some key situations in that uh, epic final day. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Okay, that was a lot of fun. My name's Kyle Porter again. I appreciate you guys tuning in to the First Cut Podcast. You can rate and review us on iTunes. That is always helpful so that we can keep uh, producing these things. Again, don't forget this weekend on CBS Sports, 2.30 to 6, Phil Mickelson final round from the 2004 Masters. And then on Sunday, Easter Sunday, 1230 to 6, Tiger Woods from the final round of the 2019 Masters. Both of those were incredibly special. I think you heard a little bit about uh, just how those final rounds went in this podcast. And I uh, hope you enjoy the golf this weekend. We'll talk soon. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the Men's Sunday Performance Jogger and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.